So first of all, I want to say happy anniversary to my mom and dad. It's their anniversary tomorrow. Yes, Dr. Kayatin, Pastor Tina. Happy anniversary. Is it 52 years? 52, yes. Okay, I'm like, can't see. 52 years. Isn't that crazy? How are they like only like, I don't know, 60 and have been married that long? It's so weird, right? Because they're like, um, if you didn't know, they're like, Nana and Papa, the Ken and Barbie version of Nana and Papa. That's what I say. Because they're, they're just, yeah, they're the best. So I have a verse, and most of you know this, but this is 1 Corinthians, the love chapter 13. I think I just lost my place. Oh, man, hold on. I'm going to find it real quick. I know you know it, but I need to read it because it's the Amplified, and we're going to get Pastor Tina up here. And don't worry about the time because this is going to be so good. You're going to be changed forever. But it's 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to start in, in verse 4. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered. And it does not take into account of wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoice with truth. When right and truth prevail, love bears all things regardless regardless of what comes, and believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. And I don't know about you, but I'm my, in my Bible, it's not really there. I'm just pretending, but it's a picture of my mom. <laughs> because she is like the face of love. And if you don't know her, you will in a couple minutes, but most of you do know her. And the, the seeks love and like goes after. It doesn't matter. The kind of love where if you're rejected over and over and over again, like it just doesn't stop. She won't stop. She was like CJ at camp getting kicked and kicked. Like he didn't stop. He just kept loving that little boy. Like she won't stop. She finds the best in the ugliest situation. She finds the best in the stinkiest person. Like love, just so much love. And that is because it's the love of God that has so consumed her that that's all she wants to eat, sleep, breathe. Right, dad? <laughs> we were talking about it the other day, like it's, it's, she just wants to consume it 24 seven. And that's him too, of course, because you know, that's why they're who they are, them together. But I just want to welcome to the stage today, Pastor Tina Kayton. The mother, grandmother, Nana of this house. <laughs> wow, I wish I could, yes, thank you. wish I could live up to that. Someday, right? Someday we're going to live up to every single thing God's word says about us. Is Dr. Cynthia in the house still? Oh, she went to Valley View. I admire that woman so much. I appreciate her. She has given her... I brought that up just in case I get cold. I appreciate her. Please let her know that. Okay. Anyway, I know that all of us do, so I'm so grateful for this morning, and I'm believing that our hearts are going to be transformed because the only thing that can really transform us is his word, right? His word and his spirit transforms us. So I am teaching from the voice translation. And if you are thinking about topics or anything like that, my topic is two kingdoms living by fire. We're living by fire, two kingdoms that are living by fire. And I want to read an, 
a little devotional out of this healthy emotional spirituality day by day discipleship book. And on page 21 of this book, it talks about the scripture in Mark 11:15 through 17. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and begun, began driving out those who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those who were selling doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written? My house will be, not should be, will be called a house of prayer for all nations. He declared things are going to change. But you made it a den of robbers. We have a tendency to be able to do that. Now, we know who he was talking to at that time. The devotion that goes with it is Jesus' intense anger and overturning the tables in the temple courts ought to make us gasp. He knows that if we do not get to God, invaluable treasures will be lost or obscured. We lose the space where we experience God's unfailing love and amazing forgiveness. We lose an internal perspective on what is important and what is not. If we don't get to that place where holiness dwells, we lose our perspective. We lose compassion. We gain the world, but we lose our souls. What is going on in our generation and I'm speaking to the church this morning. The world hasn't a clue what's going on. They don't know a thing that we know. They might even be able to quote a few scriptures. But God has entrusted this to his disciples. A little poem, it says, Be free for God, I have need of such clearance. As the Savior effectively in Temple Jerusalem, a riddance of clutter, of what is secondary that blocks my way, and all the important eternal emptiness which is filled with the presence of only God. What we, got, we have to identify the secondary things that have come into our life. We have to pray and say, Lord, help us. What's blocking our way? And we know that the temple of God is right here. We are the temple of the living God. And if there is clutterance in our soul, clutterance in our mind, we have become like hoarders of stress, hoarders of our pleasure in these last days. That's what the Bible said it would be. We are hoarders of chaos because we don't spend the proper amount of time in the presence of God. The Lord revealed to me that the Lord, God himself, that came down to planet Earth, spent 30 years of his life in preparation, 90% in preparation, and only 10% manifesting the glory of God and the authority and the power of God. I got a feeling that this is the reason why we're not spending enough time in our preparation in his presence 
that we can't display the glory of God, the manifestation of the sons of God, which all the earth is yearning for. All of nature is yearning for us to come alive. We're like the little story that talks about the eagle that was raised in the chicken coop. He was an eagle and he didn't know he was an eagle. He never was able to fly, but toward the end of his life, he looked up and said, what is that majestic thing up there? And one of the other chicks, a little bit more experienced, said, that's an eagle. He soars. We could never do that. And the eagle dies and goes to where the appropriate place is. So many of us as Christians feel like we're just hens in the chicken coop, just like everybody else, just as miserable as everybody else, just doesn't know what to do in the midst of chaos or the midst of stress, don't know what God wants from us. Why? Because we're not soaring like eagles that he wants us to soar. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. That's his word. And he wants us to get there. And he is leading us and guiding us to get there. Now I'm going to read from Luke chapter 19, verse 41 through 44. And it says, When Jerusalem came into view, he looked intensely at the city and began to weep. I don't think he stopped weeping. He brought this message to the Jews, and they didn't get it. And he's brought us to Christians, people who have been born again. And I don't know how much we are really getting it. We are pressing on. We are trying. God knows we are. But he is releasing new information in these last days. How I wish you knew today. What would bring peace, but you can't see? Days will come when you're Enemies will build up a siege ramp, and you will be surrounded, contained on every side. Your enemies will smash you into rubble and not leave one stone against another. And we know that that took place for the Jews back then. But even today, the enemy has built up such a siege ramp. We just heard a little bit about it this morning. To be able to come and take my children and allow them to cross lines and not even cross lines without me, without me even knowing that they can change their gender, and I have no authority. Everything has been turned upside down. And it says, and they will cut your children down too, because you did not recognize the day of God's anointing, the one who visited us. Have we recognized the day of God's anointing for his children? We have to recognize today what's going on in our lives and in the lives of leaders and in the lives of followers and in the lives of the church. We have to recognize this is the age of the Holy Spirit. We need to do a shift, a paradigm shift we don't know if we should pray to the Father. We don't know if we should pray to the Son. We don't know who we should listen to. And we do that. We pray to the Father through the Son. But we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
And we're gonna see in scripture, Jesus left planet Earth and we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice is speaking to us and this translation I'm reading, using is the voice translation. In John chapter 10, verse 16, it says, there, will, there are many more sheep than you can see here and I will bring them as well. They will hear my voice. The flock will be united as one flock with one shepherd. He said that we should be so united as one flock, but we have, le we have problems with leaders even being willing to get together. And it's because we're not listening to the voice. Because if we listen to one voice, we are all hearing the same thing. Unity, power, love, authority. And he said that one shepherd, the father loves me and I am willing to lay down my life. We're going to learn a whole lot more by the Holy Spirit that we are so willful we are using our free will and we don't even know it and we're using it for our willfulness, for our comforts, for our own, what we think is right about Christianity because we're not taking the time to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I am willing. Are we willful or are we willing? He said, I am willing to lay down my life and nobody can take it up, take it from me. My life cannot be taken away by anybody. I am giving my, by my own free will. This is our choice today. We have to give our life by our own free will. The Lord is beckoning us to do this. And he said, I do this and I take it up again. All this has been commanded by my father. Jesus was commanded to not follow his own will. And we think it's an option to follow our own will. We think that we can begin our life and begin our day without the presence of God speaking to us. So we are living out through our days our own willfulness. Coming out of our mouth are our own words. Until we hear the word of the Lord Jesus said, I did not say anything unless I heard my father say it. Nothing, nothing, and yet we dare to have opinions. We dare to make our choices and we don't care about what God's choice is. He's trying to get our attention because he's such a God of love. He's trying to unify the church. He's trying to show us how we walk this life. He's wanting us to be able to walk this life. Now reading in John chapter 17, there's a lot of scriptures here, but I wish I could have had time to read the whole chapter, actually, but I'm going to read a few verses. Starting in verse 13. Now I am returning to you. I am speaking this prayer here, this prayer here in the created cosmos alongside friends and foe. He said, I am praying this for anybody who wants to listen. Friends or foe. So in the hearing, it might be consumed with joy. Those who believe this, want to listen to God's voice, willing to 
Do whatever it takes will be consumed with joy. I have given them your word, and the world has despised them because they are not products of this world in the same way that I am not a product of this corrupt world system. Do not take them out of this world, God. Protect them from the evil one. Like me, they are not a product of this corrupt world. Order, and in verse 17, immerse them. Remember 17, 17. Immerse them. Immerse. We have to be immersed in the power of God's word. The truth, in the truth, that voice is speaking in verse 18. And in the same way you sent me into this world, I am sending, I am sending them. It is entirely for their benefit that I have set myself apart so that they may be set apart by truth. Set apart is a cutting away. He cut himself away from heaven. The power of God, his authority, came to earth in a fleshly human body, set apart himself, showed himself to the people, and through his word, his disciples, what it really means to have a servant's heart, to give all, to die for the love of other people. He said, that's the purpose I was set apart to do. And that's why I want them to be set apart, that they may set apart truth. I'm not asking this just for their benefit, but the benefit of all those who are going to follow and hear them speak is for our benefit. Father, may they be one as we are in me and I am in you, that they may be in us. He wants us to be one. One with him, but also, let's read on. For this, by the unity of the world, for by this unity, the world will believe that you sent me. It's our unity. It's our unity thinking like the Holy Spirit's telling us to think. Not by what our denomination thinks, not by what our culture, not by what I've heard my whole life. It's by what his word says. So we need to consume ourselves in it so the Holy Spirit can direct us to truth. And then we will start lining up, aligning ourselves with his voice and the voice of the Holy Spirit through others. This is happening whether we're ready or not. This is going to happen whether we immerse ourselves or don't immerse ourselves. But this is our opportunity to be filled with so much excitement and so much joy. All glory you have given to me, I pass on to them. In verse 22. I pass it on to them. May the glory, unity, or unify them and make them one as we are one. God wants to share his glory with us. He wants, it's not just my individual glory. It's because I'm hooked up with Jesus. I'm hooked up with the Father. I'm hooked up with the Spirit of wisdom. I'm hooked up with the Holy Spirit. And when we are hooked up with him, we are all walking in the glory of God the manifestation of the power of heaven, like the Lord's prayer says, our Father, we're all one, our Father, your will be done, not my will be done. We have neglected to totally understand what this is meaning. 
In verse 21, the scripture I just read, his bleeding and his pleading is for unity. His blood was, his blood was shed for unity. And we have a hard time being unified in our own house. Because with our hands wide open, we haven't said, I'm climbing this mountain. It's all because of him, right? It's all because of him. I hold nothing. I don't want to hold on to anything. I don't have time to hold on to anything. I don't have time to hold on to my opinions. We only have time now with our hands wide open. Climb this mountain. We have to climb this mountain so others will be able to follow clearly, precisely, knowing that they're safe, knowing that it's possible. We haven't even understood how possible it is until we learn to do this. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it said, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's one fire right there. I will baptize you, which means immersed. I'm immersed in him. I'm baptized with fire. I come out. These are symbols. We, we put more stock in the symbols than we do our king. Two kings, two reigning kings, self, which will equal the reign of death, or heaven's voice, the Holy Spirit, which is the only reign of love. Do we really understand his grandeur and his fire, his authority and his power? I'm reminded of the scripture where he said, you thought I was just like you because I had been so silent. He has been pretty silent, but not really. It's all right here. It's all right in the voice, but many are not going here, and many are not taking it in through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not like you. I am coming back with vengeance. Do we really understand and know his fire? And in verse 49, 9, 10, and 11, I'm going to get to that scripture, Isaiah. You know, I'm trying to study my word, and my dog jumps up all over my Bible, all over my papers. I lose my things in my Bible. I'm like, okay, Benny Lou. <laughs> Benny Lou, named after my two youngest grandsons. <laughs> 49, I'm not there yet. Thank you, Benny Lou. Okay, 49, 9, 10, and 11. 49, Whenever, wherever they are, they will be fine. Never thirsty, never hungry. They will be protected from oppressive heat in the burning sun, because the one who loves them as a mother loves her child will be their guide. When we know that scripture talks of, to many generations. In this generation, it was talking to them about the future where the Jews are finally in the book of Revelation going to not have to suffer the heat and the starvation, what's coming because of the anger of the Antichrist. But in this moment, it's talking to us, and it says, 
I will make their going easy in verse 11 and level the mountain and smooth the path that will lead them home. And we know that John the Baptist helped do that for us. Look, even now, they are coming from lands far away, and we can be filled with joy because of that. And now in Isaiah 50, verses 2, starting there, why is it that when I came to visit, when I came to visit, no one was there to greet me? And when I called out for you, no one answered. Do you think my reach is insufficient? My power is too limited to rescue you? When I see somebody die needlessly, when somebody doesn't get healed, when children are walking without parents and we know what direction that is going for their life, I'm wondering, God, why? Is it because of our corporate disunity? Is it because we're living our Christian life in our own will and strength? What is it, Lord? And he is going to show us what it is. In verse 52 through 11, he says that I only need to speak a word. Entire oceans will evaporate. Rivers will become deserts, leaving fish to stink and die for lack of water. I can dress the heavens with blackness and trade it with velvet skies for the scratchy cloth of mourning. I, the Lord, the Eternal One, equipped me. The Eternal One equipped me for this job with skills, speech, smooth tongue for instructions. I can find the words that comfort and soothe the downtrodden, tried and despairing, and I know how to use them. Each morning, it is God who will wakes up me, wakes me up and tells me what I should do and what I should say. That was talking about Jesus. He waited on the presence of the Lord to tell him what to do and what to say. I'm trying to take these scriptures to drive home the point that will cut out our complacency, that will reveal our willfulness, that will tell us we have to be more prepared. Too much is at stake. Number six, but it's been hard. I've offered my back to those who whipped me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not turn away from the humiliation and the spitting. Oh, but I hate humiliation and spitting, so I might turn away. Because the Lord's, the eternal one, helps me. I will not be disgraced. So I will set my face like rock. Many scriptures say flint, but it's a rock. Confident that I will not be ashamed when I step out in the power and the anointing of the Lord. I put that part there. Verse 8, my hero who sets things right is near. Who would dare to challenge me? Let's stand and debate this head to heel, toe or whatever it says. Who would dare to accuse me? Let him come near. See, here the Lord, the eternal, helps me. Who could possibly win against me? All my accusers will wear out like ratty, old, moth-eaten shirts. Many accused Jesus. Many thought they were so religious and God-fearing that they didn't believe a word he said. So jealous of him. 
So do you think, in verse 10, so you who are listening, do you acknowledge the eternal one as God? Do you take serious what the servant of God has to say through the power of the Holy Spirit? If you are enveloped in darkness with no light to see, take confidence in the name of the eternal one. Rely on your God. And this is the crux, the other fire. Ah, but if you tried to go it alone, the light by which you go is your own consuming fire. We can say, I heard the word of the Lord. I heard his voice. But we know if we have. We know if we spent time with him. Or are we just listening because we're so insecure that I have to be like everybody else? But we will be with our own consuming fire. And the torches you light will be your undoing. By my hand, you will go down in torment. I didn't even want to read that last part. But the scripture is the scripture. If we don't make the turn, if we don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and be led as Christians by his word, we're going to see we might not be Christians. The next scripture I want to show, we need to learn to love his grandeur and not our own. In verse 49, what I just read, just to refer to it again, he knows, he knows those who are his. I'm going to read it again, 9 and 11. Through you, my gift to the people, I would declare to the prisoners. Through you, you're the gift to his people. You're the gift to this planet. We are the gift. Come out. Now you are free. To those who are held in darkness, come out into the light. God says we have a solid ground to stand on. They will find substance wherever they are, along the road or in the open hills with peace of mind, in comfort and security. Whenever, wherever they are, they will be fine, never hungry, never thirsty. They will be protected because the one who loves them as a mother will guide them. They'll go places. They'll be rejuvenated by springs of water, and they will, he will make their ways level. That's how we should be living. That's how, who we should know because we know the God, the voice of the Holy Spirit. So I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I'm willing, and willingness means to surrender. There's probably a lot of surrendering. I know with me, there's a lot of surrendering that has to take place because I haven't realized how selfish, how willful on this planet, in this atmosphere where the devil rules, we think we're okay, but we're not okay. And Isaiah 59, 17 says, have we taken him for ordinary? Is our Christian walk just kind of ordinary and blah? In 59, 13, for nothing? Have I taken him for nothing? 
Because it even said that. Have we taken him for nothing? That is not, is not making a difference in our life? You know, the desert fathers, Moses was one of them. Of course, Abraham was the first desert father. When Moses left, 40 years of a prince and a, a leader of Egypt did something wrong, terribly wrong, ran and fled, and lived in the desert for another lifetime, 40 years. God had to humble probably the most prideful man into the most humble man. And he became humble. And then the Lord showed him a burning bush. And from the bush, the voice spoke. From the burning bush, allow the voice to speak. In James 4, 8, it says, if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Cleanse our hands, us sinners, and purify our hearts with our double-mindedness. In the Living Bible, it says, with our loyalty divided between God and the world. And when it's selfish, it's the world. When we are divided between what I want and what God wants, we are loving the world. It's time to swim, swim for our life. And page 26 of this book I'm going to read on the devotional. It said, people were leaving because they saw their society was so far from God that they recalled the desert fathers because they got out of the cities. They got out of all the religious reprobate minds. They, they got away from it all, and then they went, went into the desert. Society was regarded by them as a shipwreck from which each single individual man had to swim for his life. We are now currently better swim for our life, each individually. These men who believe that to let oneself drift along passively accepting the tenets and the values of what they knew as society was purely and simply a disaster. They knew they were helpless to do good, any good for others, as long as they floundered about in the wreckage. But once they got their foothold, once we get our solid ground, once we spend 90% of our time with the Lord, we're ready to go out. When they got their solid ground, things were different. Then they had not, then they had not only the power, but even the obligation to pull the whole world safely after them. We have an obligation to pull this world. And when we stand before the Lord, we're not going to be able to say, but I didn't know. I had no clue. We do know. We have heard. We just need to open up our Bible more and more and so he can change us. We feel like it's time to put our fire of our own passions we need to get rid of it. It's time to recognize the age of the Holy Spirit. The call of the Holy Spirit to lead, to surrender, to become one voice, to be unified. Our autonomy, who wants to give up our autonomy? Nobody does. The, and God addresses us as our Father. We need to freely give the one thing that can release us from the tyranny of our self-assertion and an autonomous ego.
is perfect love. His perfect love we can trust. If we're having a hard time giving up ourselves, his perfect love can be trusted. I want to share with you a, a call. Actually, it's two calls. And it talks about in this call, don't be deceived because I only have one piece of paper. <laughs> Normally, I have at least 10. <laughs> But in this call, the enormity of the call or the cause to unify is or can be disturbing or it's totally and completely liberating that we will live for one purpose alone. If that means going into the desert to be by myself, so be it, God. Teach me how to live in the circumstances that I'm in, but being able to receive all that you have for us. There's no reason to submit our will to tame a God of our own imaginations. A lot of us are serving a God of our own imagination. No God that is merely a projection in our deepest needs and longings is worthy of surrender of our soul. And you know who said that? Freud. Our God is just a deep need that we have. It also involves falling in love with God, his grand plan of restoring all things. Didn't he say in his prayer when he taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All of us are willingly giving ourselves up because his will is being done on earth, but it's not because we've done something wrong. Apart from the duress and the fear, nobody, nobody will follow God's kingdom. Nobody will volunteer, submit their will and surrender in their autonomy for any other reason than love. But the only love that is powerful enough to make us want to turn over the keys of our self-kingdom not simply willing to do so is the love of God that springs from the deepest personal knowing of God's love for us. When you know how much he loves you, you will surrender the keys. This love grows out of an understanding of the divine kingdom plan because to really understand this plan to make us want to be a part of his kingdom society. And I'm saying, I'm quoting from one of the greatest St. Ignatius, this um, Ignatian spiritual exercise that he made, you would know them better as the Jesuits. He made them learn this kingdom exercise. He said, take a moment and allow ourselves to experience this. Imagine Meeting someone whom you immediately recognize to be a man or a woman of outstanding intelligence, deeply compassionate, astounding competence, and unquestionable trustworthiness. Others who recognize these qualities, this person quickly gathered a following. Imagine him or her offering you to follow this call. My work my work is to overcome all injustice, all poverty, all disease. I want you to join with me in this. If you do, however, 
You must be prepared to devote your whole life to the cause. So afterwards, you may share with me the many and many others in the victory. That's a man's call. How inviting and compelling such a call would be. Sometimes we jump on the lesser calls because our temple is so filled with clutter. We, we jump on the lesser cause because we don't feel like we have any purpose. Oh my gosh, we have the purpose to save the world, to keep people from hell. But we don't give ourselves to that purpose, for, so we look for other purposes. So insulting to the person of the Holy Spirit. How inviting this call would be. But now consider Jesus and his call. If a cause espouses by a human being can have such appeal, how much greater is the attraction in the cause championed by Jesus himself? He calls us again to come to him just as personally. Today is another call to come to him. But it also goes out to the entire human race. I am come to inaugurate the kingdom of God I have come and to bring the reign of love to the world. I will conquer everything that affects you in this world. Disease, sin, suffering, injustice, poverty, ignorance. All these things. And even death. Come and join me so that I may first lead you to the Father's healing love, the preparation Come and join me so I'll lead you there into his saving grace. Then take up your place beside me. Share my labor. Share my suffering. And share the victory. He wants to lead the victory parade. He wants us to get to heaven and say that you are well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now come and enter into my rest. He's teaching us now to learn how to lay these things down. With God's offering, the invitation, and the outcome is assured. It's assured. How can I resist this wholehearted giving of myself to Jesus and the cause of his kingdom? It should be propelling for all of us from obedient surrender to stir our idealism What's wrong with idealism? People will say, you're so idealistic. So is Jesus. I renew my love for Jesus. He'll give us fresh energy. He'll give us a sense of honor, what it really means to be a Christian. He'll give us a focus for the enormity of the big cause, the bigger picture with which I aligned myself as I took his name, Christ, and stood before him, addressing our Father, our Father. It'll give us new levels of passion for his work and for prayer and for his coming kingdom. We will genuinely be excited to be a part of God's big plan, bringing everything together under Christ as the head, everything in heaven and everything on the earth, as Ephesians 1.10 says. We are a part of that big plan. And so now, and I am starting to close, this enormity of the cause to unify.
is a cry to us. You might have heard this before, but Alexander the Great, he was ruthless. He was ruthless just like the devil is ruthless to us. He's no respecter of person, elderly, young, no matter what. He's ruthless. And this is what he says. Anybody that doesn't do what he told him to do, if they were mounted on the outside of the wall and they fell asleep and they weren't ready to serve, if they weren't ready to fight for their king, their heads were chopped off. He was strolling one night around his realm and he caught a man falling asleep. When he woke him up, he was like, go ahead, do it. And he said, what's your name? And he said, Alexander. And he said, Alexander, you either change your behavior or change your name. We're getting in the way. We're calling ourselves Christians. We need to change our behavior. And the behavior he's talking about is following the voice of the Holy Spirit. And all of us can do that because I know we all have a Bible. Amen? To become a citizen of this country, if you weren't born here, you have to pledge an allegiance to this, uh, pledge an allegiance to obey this country. To become a citizen of heaven, we pledge our allegiance. One allegiance, if you're willing to do this today, this is his call. I pledge my allegiance to the voice of the Holy Spirit. My anthem is your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. Not my willfulness, but your willingness. Because we know in Samuel 15, it talks about our willfulness is the sin of idolatry. Our rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Please, Lord, don't make it so plain. But he has. We need to learn to carve out for our king, his culture. We need to dig deep and turn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's our life goal. That's the one thing he's asked us to do. He didn't ask you to do anything else because he'll do everything through you when you hear that voice. When things aren't going right, it's because maybe he's in in Hebrews chapter 12 talking about disciplining more. We need more discipline. We need more time in the 90%. We need to stay put until the Holy Spirit can use us. We need to be like Ezekiel who couldn't, he couldn't even talk. The Lord shut his mouth because he might have said the wrong thing. Zechariah's mouth was shut because he was going to say the wrong thing. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's our life thread. It's, it's the world's life thread. This world is going down quickly, and the new Jerusalem is coming. But we can bring as many people. This is our call of duty. This is our call of duty. We can bring as many people as possible only if we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit so he can use this human vessel, this human mind uncluttered, and love his way of loving. He's a lover. And he wants to love his children, pick us up, and carry us. 
but we're like, no, I'm going my own way. God help us. So, Father, we just pray now. We see the enormity of the cause. We know we get in the way. And we ask you to help by the power of the Holy Spirit to solidify our call for you again today. We want to honor you and glorify you in all that we say and do. I now pledge my allegiance to the voice from heaven because I live in the age of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has left. He has sent his spirit. And now I follow hard after that voice, that still, small, quiet voice that is waiting for people who will take the time to listen to him and love him that much, to see his grandeur and to see his big plan. And everyone who meant it and prayed that with me, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. I know this has been a long day. Oh, but God, you have your way, not our way, right? <laughs> Amen. I love all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Wasn't that a powerful word? Thank you, Mom. <laughs> it's powerful. Our altars are always open. If you need prayer or ministry, you can come up. And I know it's, we don't leave. Don't leave if you need something. We're here for you. And if not, we will see you Wednesday night at 7. Live right, love everybody, and pray hard. God bless you.